welcome to the skills part with me, Liz Johnson, and my colleagues in the academic skills team. We're going to be talking about critical thinking today. Hi, my name's Lisa. I'm the senior academic skills advisor. Hi, I'm Emma. I'm an academic skills advisor. And I'm Tony, also an academic skills advisor. Shall we start with what is critical thinking? I imagine our initial response to that is very much like a lot of students' response would be to the question, what is critical thinking? I think students come to university they're told to be critical straight away and it's a really abstract concept isn't it critical thinking so to me whenever I'm talking to students about critical thinking I always suggest it's asking questions about what it is you're reading what it is you're listening to what it is you're watching so that's always my starting point for what is critical thinking it's really asking questions and my favorite question is so what that's always my go to question. So, yeah, See, that would be my like one line answer to it if I had to summarise it. I always, um, whenever I think of so what, I tell students to think of, and this is a very dated reference, but to think of pink singing so what. Good. It's a good reference though. So, and I do have a slide with pink from the so what video, mm. my critical thinking. So, mm. For me, the question that I would always come up with, and I would say is the why question. Because um, I was saying like toddlers are like the best critical thinkers in a way, because they always ask the why question. They're never happy with the information that's given. So in that case, then, Emma, why? Why? Why pink? Because pink is the best. Full stop. Was your reference for this? <laughs> Venables 2023. <laughs> <laughs> I've done I've used that toddler kind of idea before though Tony I think that's a really good one because it is that like children toddlers have this sort of ability to be quite relentless with mm. what they're doing that's that why do I have to go to bed because it's bedtime but why is it bedtime because you're tired but why am I tired because you've been running around like a maniac all day why have I been running around <laughs> like a maniac all day because I don't know what else to... it they have that ability and I think it's something that we kind of lose as we get older so really the best critical thinkers are probably toddlers maybe that's the end of, that's all we need to say yeah toddlers just be an academic toddler yeah be an academic toddler <laughs> toddler but they don't give up either do they they don't just suddenly decide oh walking's too difficult so i'm not going to try doing it again they keep going and keep going and i think a lot of us give up because it, it's tough and it's difficult i kind of go back to the rudyard kipling poem i know he's a quite a problematic person in a lot of ways but he was a journalist and he has this poem about six honest serving men and those are the questions that I've always used trying to be critical because I too often just read something and don't try to look at answering questions and when you do that you just absorb the information and acknowledge it and take it on board you don't actually look for holes in the argument or ways that maybe it's not as good as it could be so I think I maybe need a few more questions than you guys to warm up to being critical. He makes boss cakes, though, doesn't he? <laughs> yes, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny if you laugh at your own joke, Tony. I think there's something in what you said, Liz, though, about this idea of, you know, just like maybe not looking to kind of pick holes in something or kind of accepting what you read because I I think quite a, f a few students 
whatever you know you speak to them in in one-to-ones or in a session and they'll say well I I can't I can't question that like who am I kind of thing and I think that's part of that they don't think they have the right or should like are in the position to question so it's it's breaking down that initial barrier I think is one of the key things with critical thinking that it's okay to question it's okay to kind of not be satisfied with what you read or what you listen to it's okay to want to know well what comes next or why is that important how does that fit within my assignment so what if that's an accepted theory and whatever it is why does that matter I think it's letting students know that it's okay to think like that I think for me is probably the first stage in becoming a critical thinker Um, and if you do agree with someone ask yourself why as well why do you agree with them how have they put the evidence together what's their background what what kind of other sources might they have looked at because sometimes you just go along with things without really questioning and if if you're going along with something that you think is correct but you don't really address why then you're not going to be able to justify it and you're not going to be able to have a strong argument because you're not going to really know why you think it's correct like i said before about students not thinking they can be critical part of the reason for that is i think there's an assumption sometimes that being critical means you kind of have to rip an argument apart or kind of point out the negatives whereas critical thinking isn't that um and it's okay to identify weaknesses or it's okay to identify limitations of something but then it's taking that next step well why is that a limitation if that is the case so what so there's definitely something in knowing that there's a difference between those two things um and i think as advi- as advisors we all have different like examples of how we how we sort of talk to students about that i think the current one's like a jacket a waterproof jacket like People can critique it saying, I don't like it. It doesn't look very good. It's it's cheap, but actually, well, that's not being critical. That's critiquing. And actually it's, well, how effective is it at the job it's supposed to do? You know, if it is, what's the implication of it not costing a lot of money? That's taking that critique to a more analytical level, which is ultimately what we're trying to get students to do, I think. But it makes a lot of sense and it... Um... Something that I was talking about with a student recently was Bloom's, ta- uh, Bloom's taxonomy. And you've mentioned quite a few of the words that are in that sort of pyramid hierarchy of understanding and analysing and then the upper echelons of, of creating. And that's what it is, that critical thinking is takes a bit of time and it takes a bit of energy. And if you're trying to critique or be critical of something that you don't quite understand you maybe can get the wrong end of the stick about what the argument is because you're not having that basic understanding that you can then build on to be able to manipulate and understand the argument from different angles and see how trustworthy it is if the methodology is strong all that sort of stuff you need the basics to be able to get the critical you can't just jump straight to critical I, I think as well sometimes having too much knowledge on a subject or having knowledge on a subject can actually hinder your ability to be critical mm-hmm. um 
I don't think sometimes when you don't really know about a topic that you look, you are genuinely looking for information from both sides. I think the key thing to be a critical thinker is to be objective. And I think a lot of students, and I was certainly guilty of this, particularly in first year, of getting an assignment question and then immediately saying, I know how I'm going to answer that question. And therefore, all of your searches, all the information, you've got like confirmation bias, you're just looking for information that already aligns to your view. I think it's really important that when we do talk about criticality that we kind of acknowledge it is to be objective and you have to challenge sometimes your own beliefs or what you're looking for and to look at both sides of that information. I think sometimes when you don't have information on that, that can actually really help you in that critical journey because you don't have any like yardstick to kind of compare to. Um, but if you are looking at a topic that is something you do know about, just kind of approaches if you don't and have that open mind and look at both sides I think is important in critical thinking. And you don't have to agree with 100% of the argument. You can agree with bits of it and disagree with other bits. That's something else you can get. It can be very nuanced, but if you're looking at it as well, if I disagree with this, I disagree with all of it, then it makes you thinking really binary and you're, then you're not looking at maybe okay well they did the research in a really thorough way i just don't agree with some of the conclusions they've got or i would have framed it in a different way or whatever it might be you're not able to to see between the gaps as it were so when does critical thinking begin when in terms of like an assignment oh for for me it's as soon as that assignment is is given out um when you're trying to break down that assignment question and you start to plan and for me that's where i would start the element of critical thinking what what do you know about the topic already and then i would always start from there i think critical thinking starts from as soon as you get it i always think yeah the same thing really and i think often students because the writing is the thing you submit it's the thing you want to get started on straight away and you just want to kind of dive in because it's the you know ultimately it's what's going to be marked but actually in order to produce the best quality assignment which includes incorporating that criticality including your academic voice having that well-balanced range of perspectives incorporated into your writing you have to plan the assignment being critical about what you need to include and what you don't but before that you need to be making notes critically reading critically and so you have to think critically before you even start reading to think about well what what answers do i need to go and find out what do people think about this why is that important what are the implications of that so yeah it's it's not something you can you know when we we have students who come and ask us oh i've got feedback that i need to be more critical in my writing how do i do that it's actually you often need to take it right back to well when you've yeah. got your assignment you need to start thinking critically there because by the end of it if you go through that ask questions about the brief critically then read critically make notes critically plan critically write critically it, it's it's all the way through you can't just put the criticality in at the end um that was a really long-winded way of saying exactly the same thing as tony sorry but much more eloquently put <laughs> Okay, so critical thinking begins when we get our assignment brief, we need to critically engage with it and then we need to carry that through into our reading. So how how does that work with reading? For me, in terms of reading, 
one of the best parts of criticality is that question of does anybody else agree with this? Have I have I just read something else that somebody else kind of agrees with? Um, and I one analogy that that I use about critical thinking is if you're on Amazon and you have two products that are the same, product A and product B. Product A only has one five-star review and nothing else, and product B has 25 five-star reviews and nothing else. Guaranteed most people would buy product B because you've got 25 people saying this is a, a good product. Product A with that one five-star review might well be a brilliant product, but you run the risk of it not being on the basis of just one person. And that's why it's important with criticality of it's un, it's unlikely, I think, in, in academia that somebody writes about something and nobody else talks about it. You know, there is no other link there that's quite rare. Often you will find that people do write in relation to other people and other theories and stuff. So you should be able to find information out there where people are agreeing or disagreeing. So one of the questions I would always ask whenever I read something is, how is that fitting into everything else that I've read? You know, other people agreeing, other people disagreeing. And that's one of the first kind of questions I always have when I am reading critically of, oh, this is good information and it relates to my assignment, but is anybody else supporting it? Is anybody else disagreeing? So that's one of the questions I would always start with, with reading. I think for me, in addition to that, I think there's also an element of why am I reading this? I always, you know, no source generally has been written with a particular assignment that the University of Chester students are going to be producing in mind. So, you know, you're not going to find the one journal article or the one source of information that answers everything. So I think the start of critical reading is thinking about, well, what do I need to find out? And then when you think you found a useful source, it's using some of those reading techniques like skimming and scanning to then work out, well, how will this help me? Of those questions that I have, which ones will it answer? Will it show... Will it show how something links with another thing or will it provide a completely different perspective on this topic that I hadn't thought about or the literature that I've read up to this point hadn't hasn't considered? So, like I say, for me, part of reading critically is always being able to ask that, why am I reading this? What am I hoping to find out? And I think that will help identify particularly relevant sections of sources that you need to read but also when you come to make notes from those sources if you can't think about why something's interesting or why it's relevant or useful it's probably an indication that you don't necessarily need to write it down and I think that's the trap students sometimes fall into that could be relevant that's interesting that's useful and all of a sudden you've got you know 15 pages of notes that don't really help you move forward whereas if you've got that really clear what is this try? What is this going to help me with? Why am I reading it? You can then be like, that's interesting, but maybe it's only interesting because I'm interested in my subject, not because it's going to help with this particular assignment or this particular thing. So I think having those focused questions will help you identify sources, identify relevant sections within those sources, and then be able to make more effective notes from those sources. Some of my uh, presentations have got Garfield, the cartoon cat, standing on some scales. And I use that as a way to talk about the weightiness of something. And I kind of say, OK, you're doing you're doing a search and you found a whole load of articles uh, and you've got, say, eight or ten articles that you think you want to use. 
you're not looking at how good the articles are feeding to what Lisa was saying. You're not looking at how good the articles are on their own, how much um, you think they're well written and how much you think they're well structured and they've got a good argument. You're looking at how well they support some argument you might want to pick up and use in your assignment. So you could have two or three different assignments that you're writing and the art the same article will be really useful for one thing but not really useful for another because you need to do different things with it and the idea of, of the cartoon cat standing on the scales is if you start with every article being a 10 or a 100 or a thousand or whatever arbitrary number you come up with and each time you don't like the answer to a question or you can't find the answer to a question so maybe you find some research but it's 15 years old and you're like well this, this is going to be too old to be of any use then you take a bit of the weight off and if you can work backwards then what you're left with is the articles that weigh more the articles that you think are heavier or better for you to put into your discussion and your argument so i kind of try to explain it like that because there are so many millions of articles out there. It's really easy to be overwhelmed. And then you just pick the first few things that come up. And that isn't a good way of deciding what deserves a place in your assignment and what doesn't. It's much better to have some way of judging it and, and filtering out things that aren't as strong or haven't got as good or robust an argument. So, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense to anybody else. But I think one more thing I would add in terms of reading is... I always have a note about the context that something was written in. Because uh, as you mentioned a year there, I think that again, that's really important. You know, if you're bringing in information from 10, 15 years ago, is that still relevant to the argument that you're creating right now in a modern context? Um, sometimes it might be for some of those seminal research, but quite often it might not be, and particularly if you're doing something that's quite practice-based, like nursing, for example, where you know, policies and guidance changes. If you are bringing stuff in from 10, 15 years ago, it might not be relevant. And I think another thing that students should be highly aware of when they are reading is making notes about the location that the study was held in. Um, obviously, culturally, countries are very, very different and how practices kind of exist. So if you are bringing in research from a, you know, a, another other side of the world, for example, and you're trying to apply that to a UK context, just have a think about that culturally difference in context and how that might not necessarily transfer across or maybe it does but it's one of those questions that you should be asking and I think that's really important. So in terms of kind of critical thinking and reading it's really important to record those critical thoughts as you're reading not record them afterwards. Um, so obviously when you're reading sources you're going to be paraphrasing information paraphrasing key points from the sources um, but also make sure that you're making a note of why they're important to you and how they fit in with your assignment. Because there's nothing worse than going back, looking at your notes and thinking, I don't know why I wrote, wrote this down. Don't know why it was important. So I find it helpful to write in a different colour. So I'll have the source information in, say, blue and my critical notes in purple. <laughs> Obviously, because that's my favourite colour. Um, so that kind of shows me I can differentiate when I, you know, because often essentially the reading process is taking up about 70% of your assignment cycle time. So you're not necessarily and hopefully not going to be writing straight after reading if you've planned your time 
accordingly and you, you've got time to, to separate the, the reading research, reading and writing a little bit. So, um, you know, it's important that when you go back to your notes, you can differentiate from the information you've taken from the source and your own critical thoughts. So colour is really helpful with that. In terms of, so we've done a critical reading now. Um, in terms of kind of getting our critical thoughts into our writing, does anyone have any kind of top tips or advice on that? The colour coding that you just mentioned then, Emma, feeds into the writing process as well. Because if you can get something down on paper as a, a rough edit and then you can go back and colour code it, you can see if you've just been descriptive or you can see if you've put evidence in that you've not really let the lecturer know what your point of view is on this or how good you think it is. There's no critical voice coming through, no discussion. It's just sort of evidence, evidence, evidence. Then if you colour code it and using your favourite colours is usually a good way to do it, then try to pick out ways that you can refine evidence as well, put things into, you know, find commonality. So there's a, a couple of sentences here that are more or less saying the same thing. They're just using two different sources. Can I combine them to give me a few more words to be able to really put some critical analysis into my discussion and as a general rule or a good kind of habit to get into is whenever you include evidence to include that critical analysis so whenever you include evidence show your reader why it's important what does the evidence suggest to you what arguments can be drawn from the evidence because if you don't do that your writing then becomes descriptive rather than critical so if you read back a paragraph um doesn't make sense if you read a paragraph back um and it, it reads a little bit like a report or a story, like he said, she said, they said, then it's probably more descriptive than critical. So get into the habit of whenever you include a piece of evidence, saying why it's important, showing your reader how it fits in with your key point and what it means for that key point. One of my other favourite questions for criticality is what's the impact? I think with that, um, it's I would always I always encourage students to have that element of caution when they're including their kind of critical analysis, because generally, you know, generally speaking, we will all interpret or understand something in a different way. Think about think that something's important for a different reason, potentially. So it's quite rare that something is definitive or that you can prove something. You might have read one source from that one source. It's very unlikely you'll be able to say this proves that whatever it is you're going to say, because as we've said, there could be thousands and thousands of sources that might have slight variations or slightly different perspectives on something. So um, in terms of wording that critical analysis or critical voice, it's thinking about, well, this is this is what it suggests to me. This is what it means in relation to what I'm writing. So it's generally this may, this could, uh, this might, this may. I've already said that. I don't know. Some cautious language in there. Um, but I also think as part of phrasing your analysis, it's a great opportunity to demonstrate really what sort of Tony touched on before when we were talking about reading and that sources link together in different ways. Some might agree with each other, some might challenge each other, some might raise a limitation of previous research or, you know, no piece of information is kind of on its own. It's a it's a part of a bigger picture. It's a piece of a jigsaw puzzle. So when you're incorporating that criticality, you could say, 
this may challenge previous the previous research that argues this or this could, may highlight that there is still a need for whatever it is um, this may align with the previous view of whatever so it's an opportunity for you not just to get your voice in in terms of what it suggests to you but it's also a chance for you to demonstrate to your reader that you understand how literature links together that you're able to put those pieces of the puzzle together and actually create the jigsaw to see what that kind of final image is so i think there's quite a lot of nuances within the phrasing of your critical criticality or critical voice that really give you a chance to show off to your reader if 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 nothing else and that's really what you're trying to do show off this is what i've understood this is what i've learned by reading all of this stuff so phrasing it it is important and i just i just sort of finish that by saying it is important to give time to phrasing it it's not just something you can you know as a throwaway i'm just going to use this phrase all the time because actually you'll lose some of that nuance within the and the complexity within the topic that you're looking at and i think as well lisa what you mean is absolutely spot on in terms of bringing in and comparing sources or people agreeing disagreeing and, and why and having that analysis and i think if your student is at level six or at level seven, there's that extra step of criticality where you're actually being critical of those sources. So if you're saying somebody agrees or disagrees, can you add in like why? So if I was using the example of Venables in 2023 argued that dogs were better than cats. However, this was a small sample size of one. Cliff in 2023, however, with a large sample size of a thousand people, disagreed with the study of Venables and said that cats were better than dogs. You're adding in that extra element in Where's talking that about the methodology. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's important in terms of that extra level of criticality is when you are finding people who agree or disagree, adding in that extra information for your reader about, like I say, was it a big study, was it a small study, where is it located? To add in that extra element of why are people agreeing or disagreeing rather than just blindly saying, Oh, this person agrees, this person disagrees, adding that why, but that is for students who are at level six and seven. That's that extra step up of those higher echelons of um, critical thinking that your tutors would be looking for. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Skills Pod. Bye! Thanks, Bye! Hi there, if you're a University of Chester student, these are ways that you can access support from your academic skills team. You can find our online resources through our green training and skills tile tab on Moodle. You can access support via our feed forward email assistance service by emailing ask.chester.ac.uk. You can send up to 750 words or three paragraphs to us and we'll provide you with written, generic and developmental feedback. You can also book a one-to-one -one appointment with our advisors from our maths and stats team and also our literacy team. You can have as many as you need throughout your academic year and these last for around about 30 minutes and similar to the feed forward service we can offer you developmental advice and feedback on your assignments or any other issues such as referencing or planning for example we also offer ask together skills with friends bespoke sessions for groups with you and your course mates or some of your friends are unsure on academic skills such as referencing, paraphrasing, critical thinking, you can book a session with an advisor. You can do this via our online booking form. Ask. Supporting your success.